Cheers. We're doing this again. We're back again. This is another uh, another episode of Conversations About God. We got Dave Bowden and uh, Ryan McKenzie. I'm right Ryan McKenzie. Here. Yeah. So we we're... have been asked to not do this again, which is why we're doing it again. This is the so. sole reason we're doing it again. Is people are like, guys, will you stop this? It's not. So anyway, it's a fun rebellion. It's great. It really just gets it out so that we don't do it in our everyday life. You know, it's really it's a good time. This is just our outlook. All right, so we're diving through basically just some different questions. We had a, a couple questions from you guys this week. Um, that was really awesome. Really awesome response on the podcast, uh, YouTube, Facebook. So yeah, really thanks, cool guys. stuff. And um, I'm going to ask Dave some questions. He's going to ask me some questions. We're going to dive into some specific stuff. With Easter coming up, I think it's a really great thing to talk about is um, – it's Jesus, right? Why not Jesus? That's a good thing to talk about. Not just God in theory, but the God-man Jesus. So we're going to talk about that and um, what his death and resurrection looks like in our life. And this idea of like, can Jesus actually change your life is kind of like the underlying theme of what we're, we're diving into today. So um, do you want to start off with something along those lines and we yeah. can dive in? Just a few thoughts just on Easter in general. I was, during the sermon, uh, Pastor Aslan uh, did the sermon at Northwest Church this Sunday. It was very, very good. Uh, I know I'm a little biased because she's my wife, well, so you would think that I'd have to say that, but it was just a, a great sermon. She beats him if he doesn't say that. Pretty she much, will. Yeah. I, I am hurt. Uh, anyway, so to me, as I'm listening to the, the sermon, you know, we, we think about the most significant holidays that we celebrate as Christians. Right. And... Easter. Like Valentine's Day. Um, St. Yeah. Patrick's Day. When Jesus shot an arrow and <laughs> the heart on the end of it. And, uh, you know, so Valentine's Day is pretty cool. But uh, we, we often <laughs> treat Christmas as the best of our holidays as sure. Christians. And, sure. and for good reason. It's Obviously, I'm not an anti-Christmaser. But, uh, you heard it here first, guys. Dave Bowden hates Christmas. It's, uh... it's a passion. And <clears throat> so Easter is in my opinion, the mm-hmm. most significant holiday that we could celebrate. And you think about the joy and the preparation leading up to Christmas. Do we apply the same kind of passion right. and, and appreciation for this holiday? And I'm like, because I was talking with Pastor Peter while while the ser- I talked during the sermon. What? With Pastor Peter, and we were both just agreeing that Easter is more important than Christmas. Right. Because, well, I'll read something that the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. He says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. So, yeah. if everything else happened, but that didn't happen, then yeah. it's still futile. Like, a lot of people have been born, right? There's a lot of births that have happened. There's not very many Allegedly, people. Allegedly. <laughs> right? But there's not a lot of people that have actually died and risen from the dead. You know, so that's a really I neat... Only, I can think of only one. It's, it's, it's pretty interesting. So, with that... Um, but one of the questions this week, we can dive right into this. Um, how, and this is a little more personal, maybe, because we can talk. We can talk specifically about Jesus, but then also like our lives and people's lives. I think that's where it really yeah. hits the road. Is like we're just how does it impact me, and how does it affect me? So how has life with Jesus been different than you expected it to be? Because you weren't a Christian your whole life, just growing up as a Christian, and this is what I do. Like at some point, you that changed, that belief changed. So how is that? been different for you now that you are a Christian? So my thoughts on living a life that had a religious look to it when I first got saved, I guess I'm pleasantly surprised with how much, um, how how interesting it is and how the, the more I try to figure out 
more of who God is, the more I'm surprised by how amazing he continues to be. Yeah. And how he is directing my life in a direction that I would not have chosen. So had you told me that, David, you are going to be um, on, on, on staff at a church in a preaching capacity as a pastor, or that you are going to um, be about small groups for pretty much your entire existence as, as a Christian. This is what you do now. And that you would not be able to have biological children, but that the way that you would form your family would be through adoption. If, if you showed me this, this whole picture, I would have probably gone pass. Right. right. But I'm glad that the way I would have had my Christian faith play out went differently than God's design because I've fallen in love with this life. It's not a stale life to me. It is, it's amazing what he has done in his ways that's cool higher. that's cool i know i remember specifically for me like it's it's you're right it's crazy to see the way you plan your life to go and the way you think it's going to go in your head like my wife and i were talking about this the other day we have we have five kids and i grew up thinking i'll probably get married and have two kids because it was always just me and my brother so you just you think the way you were raised is the way your life is going to go or the way you've always planned is the way it's going to go but god has different plans for you you know and um the I remember a specific moment. It was a Friday night at the church. We used to have these random, it was before Pastor Jared started doing like the whole acoustic worship nights and like really nicely done. We just put some music on in, in like a small chapel or small room at the church and just come and worship, you know? And like, and um, I remember being in college and it was like nine o'clock at night and we're just singing in the middle of Pine Hills and I'm just like, this is crazy. Like, what am I doing right now? And I, like this like awe and like disbelief that like I'm actually enjoying this. Like I would never think that I would actually like this. Sure. It was just a really cool, like surreal moment for me. Um, what, what else has that for you that's been different than you expected? It's harder than I would have thought too, to, to, right? to live out an authentic Christian life is difficult. And, you know, at, when, when salvation first hits, it's, there's a lot of passion. There's a lot of, like, freedom. Sure. And you're living off of that, like, that high, in a sense, of the freedom that you get in Christ. And, like, man, my sins are forgiven. But then there's the day-in, day-out, steady plodding right. forward of the faith that some people can become disillusioned because of that. And, like, there isn't just, like, this awesome, you know, thrill. Like, I get up some days and I'm like, I don't want to do these things that Jesus asks me to do. And like, I'm so tired of these, these people honest. that I'm like pouring into. Name them right now. Tell them, and, tell them their names. And trust me, <laughs> people who poured into me have had the same thoughts about me. I think I'm probably one of these people. <laughs> Every day. Um, so I, I would say that it's difficult. Um, and I, I didn't expect it. That like the struggles that I've had. Yeah. My, my wife and I have had struggles and it's like, I, I would prefer to not, you know, hmm. if, if you were to put the question to me, like, would you rather wow. be yeah. an easier thing? But it's it's just the reality is it's difficult and it's demanding. And it really, I guess another surprise is it demands everything from me. And that's that's hard to, to give. But that's, that's awesome. what's being demanded by Jesus is he wants my whole life, all of my passion and all of my You know, effort. that reminds me, I heard a... Um a pastor talking about this and it really connected what um, the sermon from Sunday at Northwest was and then what you're saying right there just how hard it can be that um, 
when Jesus was talking about how the, the gate is narrow or the gate is straight and then the, the um and, and the, the broad path is so wide, but then the narrow way to heaven is so 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 it's so hard to get through, right? It's just like this path is hard. But it's there's a there's a book by C. S. Lewis, uh, in one of the Chronicles of Narnia series, and this guy is like gonna die, basically, and he's gonna walk into this like little hut and he walks in and like if you haven't read the book, then I don't want to explain the whole thing. But basically, he walks in this tiny little hut, and he walks in, there's forests, and there's trees, and it's, it's this massive place. And he's like, wow, the, the inside is so much bigger than the outside. I thought this was going to be like this tiny little... And essentially, it's like a, a picture of him going into heaven. Like It seems like this tiny little thing that's going to squeeze everything out of you. And then you get in that, that, that his kingdom, and you get into that, and it's just like there's this so much more than I ever thought. But it was so hard or so different than I thought to get into but once I'm in here it's like wow I thought that was going to be boring I thought that was going to be the hardest thing ever I thought that was going to be just like this suffocating life where I was just going to like just put my nose to the grind and just be be done for the rest of my life working my butt off for God and be bored but like yes and no like it opens up like once you submit that I'm willing to do that it opens up into this vast expanse of just wonder and beauty and like it's just the craziest thing ever um I remember specifically for me, I remember talking to you about this too. I was in college at Rollins College. I won't say names, but now you know it's the, at school. But um, I remember being on the baseball team. I had just given my life to Christ. I surrendered to him that summer before my senior year. And my grades weren't great because I'm a college baseball player, right? So I'm in the group of guys that has to go to study hall. You can hit a round thing with another round thing, <laughs> but you can't get the class and perform well. Look, I was trying to play baseball, I was trying to grow a small group, and I found a girl that I was in love with, and I was trying to get her to be my wife, so I think I won on at least two of those things. School was not even an option at that point. But anyway, I did well. I passed. I did all right. I did fine. two out of three. I, I, I was above average. Um, anyway, I remember going to study hall, and I finished my work. I'm like working, got everything done. I put it aside, and I pull out a Bible, like an actual Bible, and I'm like, well, I'm going to read the Bible, because... It's study hall, so... You didn't ask me if you could pick up my Bible. Hey, settle down. All right. The coach walks in and sees me reading the Bible, and he's like, Mackenzie, what the are you doing? I'm like, I'm just reading, just reading. And uh, he's like, put that away. This is ridiculous. This is study hall. You're here for a reason. I was like, yes, sir. And everyone around me is looking at me like terrified. And they're not terrified because they're afraid of me getting in trouble. They're terrified because they're afraid to get in trouble because they were all taking shots of vodka the whole time with their science and English books open, acting like they were studying. And I had finished my work, and I'm just looking around at them like, y'all are hammered right now, and I'm the one taking the blame. Like, that was one of the most difficult things for me is to not just, like, rat them out. And then on top of it, I get called into his office later saying, this Bible has got to end. I don't want it in my locker room. I don't want it in my clubhouse. It divides teams. And that was a moment, like, baseball was my life, right? Like, I wouldn't I can, come... I can attest to that. I, I wouldn't come to church. That. I wouldn't go on family vacations. Like, baseball was everything to me. It was, an, it was definitely an idol. And um, I wasn't that good at it, but it was everything to me. And, um, and I remember sitting there having to stare my coach in the eye as, like, I'm, like, 21 years old and be like, then I, I can't be on your team. And I had to sit at his desk as a starting shortstop, be like, I can't play then. Like, this is my life. And... He said, well, just take it easy with the stuff. Don't talk, to, don't talk about it too much. I was like, all right, whatever that means, okay, we're good. We're, and we just kind of backed away from each other. And that was crazy for me to like have to take a stand like that early on in my faith. 
And it just like was setting things up to like, I'm not, this is has, it's either everything or it's nothing. Yeah. It's either everything or it's nothing. There's no halfway on this. Um, so with that everything or nothing attitude, I guess, has Christianity helped you in your life like with a difficult time? Is there something that like your faith has yeah. brought out of you? Yeah, <clears throat> all kinds of difficult things. So it is strange to go, um, Christianity has become more beautiful than I could have ever imagined. Right. But, and, but at the same time, it caused me into difficulty too. So like, it's a, it is a cool balance to sit hmm. back and when I think about it, go, man, yeah, it's hard, but he also supplies the strength for yeah. when it gets difficult and the way out when there needs to be an escape from something. He, you know, the, the Lord is really good about supplying what I need. So another thought when I'm thinking about this is, all right, you brought up C.S. Lewis, so I'll go to somebody who inspired him, right? So G.K. Chesterton says of Christianity, he goes, Christianity has not been found, uh, has not been tried and been found wanting, but has been found difficult and left untried. So there are a lot, yeah, pretty okay. brilliant thought, not my thought, but brilliant. And when I think about just your testimony just then, you were immediately put into difficult situations because of your faith. Yeah. And that's like some people would maybe come to the faith to try and get, you know, God to fix all the problems, but he actually calls you into problems. Yeah. And no, it's... that it's a discipline. It's, it's a relationship, but it's also a discipline. And so I have to become more disciplined the, if I want to mature in my faith. So how has it helped me in difficult times? Well, because of the steady plotting of trusting him through smaller things, mm -hmm. when bigger problems would present themselves in my life, I, would, I, I was able to not go through it perfectly, right. but lean on him. And the beautiful thing about the difficult um, aspects of my, my life is that when it gets difficult, and I look back at those moments, I feel like I was closer to him in the difficulty than just the, when things are going well. Things yeah. are not challenging. Yeah. And it's given me a perspective of, all right, when, when I can perceive difficulty coming, lean into the difficulty because that's where I'll find him. That's good. That's really good. I, um, that, that's really awesome. I think we had um, – we're going to get to a couple questions in a minute with uh, – I think Bella sent in a question. Bella, thank you. First question ever on the podcast. She sent in. We'll ask, we'll ask you in a minute. Um, but the difficult times are like – in the moment, it seems like it's the worst thing ever. Why would God do this to me? How is this even happening? And even after the fact, it seems like, man, that was hard. That's painful. But it's just like exactly what you're saying. Like, I felt closer to him than I ever had before because I, I had to. Like, I needed him. And um, I think the, the challenge can be, maybe you can talk about this a little bit, is like, feeling like we need to know all the answers to everything or feeling like I need to be able to, like, give a reason for everything in those difficult times rather than just going that balance of like, yeah, I want to, I want to know the right stuff. I want to be able to know the theology. I want to be able to know the Bible, but like at some point, everybody gets to this point where it's like, you can't know everything, right? You can't, and you just got to be satisfied in him and that relationship with him. So how do you balance? Like, I feel like that's what changes your life, right? Not just the knowing of the Bible, but like the, the, the time and the relationship with him, you have thoughts on that at all? Like I'm springing this on you like right now. I did not prep him for this question at all. So we have other questions that I did prep you for, but now I'm like really. So you said a lot. Repeat the question. Yeah, I talk a lot. So the idea of like, man, I need to know all the stuff. Uh, okay, yeah. 
but I really just looking back, it's the, the stuff that I really has meant the most is really just being with him. Like, how do you balance? Yes, I want knowledge, but what really means the most is relationship. Because if you just go off relationship, it's like you don't really know what you're going for. But if you just go off knowledge, you don't really have a relationship. How do you balance that? So, because God is personal, it, it would be like deepening a relationship with any any other kind of a person. Um, if I want to know my wife more mm-hmm. than I do today, and mm-hmm. I pursue her, I pursue information about her, I stalk her on Facebook. I'm kidding. Stalk your um, wife on Facebook? No. <laughs> but I, I, if if I'm interested in who she is, I, I try to find out more information about her. So like, it's, it's an approach to the Bible is, all right, this is a book about God primarily. Yeah. So yes, I want to increase in the knowledge. Right. But the way that it turns into a relationship is I act on what I know about him and I approach him like he says to approach him. And then that's when those moments of, oh man, I, I, I now am sensing his presence or um, I am more attuned to the Holy Spirit prompting me in moments. Like, I felt impressed to go talk to this person. Or, right, right. Or go just hug this person. Go put your arms around him and tell him you love him. And it's like they, they break, but it's only because I've been pursuing him and trying to do the things that he says to do, right? Yeah. So, like, it's it's this mixture of everything. Hmm. But that's how, that's how I've experienced it, and that's how I've approached that. I like that. Like, it's so easy to check it off, like, a to-do list of, like, stuff you need to know. But when once you learn something about him, go and do that with him or go and be with him. Like, that's a really cool way to look at it rather than just learn everything. I think that's our, our culture, right, is, like, you go to school and you need to learn everything. And at the end of the year, you take the test and you take the final exam and you got to make sure you know it all before you can pass to the next level. And, like, God is not like that at all. He's, like, just the story I told earlier, like, oh, you believe in me? Okay, let's see. <laughs> like, oh, you're worshiping? Let's take the next – and he wants – interaction with us and challenges with us he's right there with us in the hard times um and for me one of the hardest things ever and I didn't know how to explain it was uh, when my dad died and um he died young he was 66 and it happened pretty quick like it was like all of a sudden he's in the hospital there's no other and then he's in the hospital for a month and then he was gone and my second child was born the day before the day after he was in the hospital. So it was a month long of me going to see my newborn baby, going home to my two-year-old son, going to the hospital to see my dad, back and forth and back and forth. And I remember God gave me a word. I was just, first time my dad had ever, like, let me talk to him about God because he couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't tell me to stop. So I sat there and, I sat there and read the Bible to him and prayed for him. And um, I remember God gave me a word for him. It was about... Um, Washing your hands and being clean, super relevant today, right? But um, but it's just like I felt like maybe a lot of people feel this way that um, you gotta you gotta be you gotta know everything. You gotta you gotta do all the stuff first before you can come to him. And um, I just felt like God was saying, no, you, I want you right now as you are, and then we'll clean up everything later. You know, like that's that's a really cool thought. And my dad gave his life to Christ right before he died, so it was one of the hardest moments in my life. And one of the most beautiful moments of my life um, to see my dad put his trust in Jesus and at the same time, like, lose my lose my dad. So that was, like, it was tough. But it was, looking back, like, I don't know that I would trade that time with him and that time with God, like, for anything. Like, it's really a, a yeah. weird dynamic and um, really special. But I think that is also a glimpse into the heart. 
faith, right? So through tragedy, God brings about amazing things. Yeah. And the, there's nothing more important than the cross, right? So it's Easter, and we're talking about Jesus' yeah. resurrection. And we, we look at the cross, which is a horror yeah. to hold someone innocent be butchered right. and put to death. And But at the same time, if he wasn't and he didn't conquer the grave, then, I mean, or because he did, hmm. now we get to experience. So through that horrible, dark, evil thing done to him, he yeah. has worked the most amazing miracle. And that's that seems to be one of the things that's a hallmark of our faith. We, we're going to experience tragedy, but it's not a tragedy without hope on the other end of it. Like we can always know God can work. We know the scripture, God works all things for the good of those who love him. And, you know, we see on the cross, like, if, if we wanted to be forgiven by God, the cross is it. Yeah. Like, forgiveness is given freely, or it's it, it can't be earned. Otherwise, it's not forgiveness. And at the same time, if God is going to deal with actual sin and be just, yeah. so this is another aspect of the cross that just continues to just make me, make me go, wow, it is so much more wonderful and deep than I could ever know. And it's that... He pours out his justice on Jesus, and through sending that justice down on him, mercy is able right. to be had. So justice and mercy embrace at the cross where God can be just and forgiving at the same time. He, wow. he doesn't just give sin a pass. He exacts his justice, but it's through that that to you and to me we get mercy. And just, just us, though. Nobody else. No. <laughs> that's you know how, that's you know amazing. How witnesses believe that 144,000 will go to heaven. So this well, is a good. We're starting a new. No, stop! Stop! This. this is okay. Um, but this is this is really great because the question is really common: is like, how can you believe in a God that would allow these horrible things in the world? How can you believe in a God that would let these like awful things happen? And if you if you look at the cross, it's like how could you not believe in a God? that would come down and let the horrible things happen to him. Like this is a guy who made a God who made everything. And then said, instead of letting you suffer through it, letting us suffer through it, he said, I want to come and suffer with you. Like I want to, like that's what Easter is all about, right? That's why, that's why Jesus can change your life is because not because, Oh look, here's all the list of things you have to do, or here's the, the, the people you need to talk to or the stuff you need to read. But it's like, no, you're in a, a horrible, painful place and I'm coming to suffer with you, and I'm going to be with you, and that changes everything in my life. Like, to know that my God, my King, like our Savior, He could have just sat there and said, hey, come to me, and said, like you're saying, He comes down and takes the punishment and takes yeah. the pain and lives in it with us is like, that's unbelievable. But it's, it's believable. It's like the most amazing thing ever. And no other religion, Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, Buddhism, everything else is like, Say these prayers, do this thing, talk to this many people, like stop doing this, start doing that. Like nothing else says God came to you first. Yeah. If you know, guys, if you know of another one, I don't want to just say that. If there's a religion that has a, a God coming to us first, then correct me. But I, I have not come across one. Um, that's what's just so awesome to me. Um, do you want to get to Bella's question? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so Bella asks, she wrote, if you guys have questions, write them in. Um, I think she put it on YouTube. But uh, if you want to find a way to get a hold of us, do it and tell us your questions. It could be anywhere you want. But um, she said, how do you give up? In essence, it was how do you give up control and trust God? So it's kind of a general question, but it's really a good question. Like, How do you actually, I think 
what we're talking about here is really relevant to that. Like, how do you actually sure. give up control and give your trust to God? It's like, it sounds great in theory, but how, is, how does that actually work out in, in our lives? So when I first saw the question, my mind first goes to, well, let me go to the expert, which would be Jesus. And like Jesus, who is God, is also obeying the Father. So he's showing us a pattern of what obedience looks like. But Jesus is both God and man, too. Mm -hmm. So the manness had made him, you know, he became subject to right. going through the, got baptized, he did all the things, basically showing that his humanity was giving up control of what maybe his flesh wanted to do and said, I'm going to perfectly obey. Yeah. So I go, if we have a perfect example of what giving up control is, it's Jesus. Hmm. Jesus is going, I do what the Father tells me. Man. So our pattern is, if the Father says it, I do it. And Man. that that goes to everything in my life. Like There are certain things that, um, just by nature of who I am, things that I want to do right. that are sinful and wrong and bad. And I have to put discipline in place and to basically take my will and go, my will wants to do this. It, on any number of things, mm -hmm. you know, like some of my temptations are different from some of your temptations sure. and like anybody else, but we all have the same God to obey. Yeah, yeah. And when he, like, if I read something in, in Corinthians that goes, oh man, I need to, I need to uh, go and, and serve people in this way that he's being, that's being prescribed or something in James where it says, take care of widows and orphans. I, it's, he's not just saying do this if it happens to be something that you're around. Like, he goes, no, true religion is to take care of widows and orphans. So, I know this is kind of no, it's good. a big idea to go take care of widows and orphans, but they're in your church. They are they are sitting in the pews with you or in the chairs with you, and you're in, and we have them in, in our church. And I've, I've had the opportunities to go, I either have my Saturday to myself, and, and I can enjoy that, and I'm not doing something simple or wrong, but... I am giving up control to God because uh -huh. he says, take care of widows and orphans. And so I go give my Saturday to help the widow in my, in my church and be a part of whatever she needs. So let's, that's really, really awesome. Let's dial down even like, like smaller interactions. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you say about like, if I'm in school or if I'm at work and I feel like, man, like I just, how do I, in those moments, I feel like, I love that angle of it. And I felt like when I read the question, I was like, how do I, I don't know how to say it right now, but it's just how, how do you give up control and believe that God's got something better for you if you, if you trust him now? You know, like in the moment where like your friends might make fun of you or somebody wants you to do something or if you're dating and you want to go further than you should, uh, all kinds of, you're, you're alone at your computer and there's temptation there and you want to look at something that you know you're not supposed to, like, those little moments when nobody's around or those moments when everybody's around and they're trying to like just draw you off of like, I know I'm supposed to let Jesus control my life. How do I not pull off there and, and, and say, oh God, you can, I don't care if they make fun of me or I don't care if I don't get satisfaction right now with my girlfriend or boyfriend. I, how do I like, how do I give him that in that moment? It's really, so how do I give up control to God? Mm. This is going to, rub people the wrong way, but it is by giving control of my life and spreading that to the people that he also lives in, like hmm. through accountability. Yeah. It's like, hey, I know, I see, like, if, if I'm not real 
with you and what my struggles are, yeah. then you don't really know me well. Right. And I'm still holding the control. Yeah. The, the control is still in, in my hands. And if it's like something that I just, I, I can't get victory in, and I don't go, like that. hey, I need to put some, con- I need to spread the control over you, Ryan, because I can't, right. I can't stay consistent to what I'm being called to, then if I don't do that, I'm keeping the control here instead of spreading it to other people. Wow. And like, I, I think there's something to um, calling people out of this idea that it's just between you and God. Yeah, he yeah, actually yeah. says, confess your sins to one another. Like, he says that. Yeah. So it, when you do that, and you confess that, and you, you put accountability where you're accountable to other people, and you're giving that control out, then that's the path to victory for me, for, for confronting I like that a lot. my control problems. That's really cool. I, I, and one last thought on it for me is that, that same quote from C.S. Lewis, like the realizing that the inside is bigger than the outside, right? Like it feels like this, I'm not going to have any fun if I do it that way. Like it's not going to work out well for me. They're all going to make fun of me. I'm not going to get what I really feel like I want. But like giving up, say, well, I'll just do it anyway. Um, If you can really have that hope for something bigger, that hope for something better, like, like all of our desires are fulfilled in Christ, either now or in heaven, right? So like there, there's there's not a desire he's going to put in you that's not going to be fulfilled or better now or in heaven when we put our give our control and our trust over to him. So I think that's a really, really cool thing to remember is like it seems so constraining and it might be to your flesh, but the second you enter into it, it's like, wow, I didn't realize how good this could really be. Like that that hope for something more is keeps me going some days like that's all you sometimes it's all you have sometimes it's like right away you get you see the result but that's that's big all right um that was a great question bella thank you um one last thing here just with the resurrection resurrection sunday easter whatever you want to call it we're kind of into that holy week right now where jesus goes to the cross and um he dies and everyone that was following him is like what the heck just happened? We thought he was going to take over everything. We thought he was going to be the ruler of everything. Like, and then you see him raised from the dead, right? What has been your biggest for you, like with, with the cross coming into your life? With, with, you probably had moments where you're like, what is going on in my life? I thought you had me, God. Like, what has been your biggest, like, peace, your biggest, like, um, revelation of the cross for you? Just if you want to share something with us about how Jesus has been real in your life and he's just risen up something new in you. Is there like a, a final touch of the cross that you want to drop on us here and tell us about? So it would have to be about forgiveness for me because the anything that's been consistent in my life is that I've had to forgive mm. every day um, or, or go to God with my anger at him you know, when, when things weren't going the way that I wanted it, and I'd have to go, oh, you know, and I finally get on the other side of whatever that was. Like, for my wife and I, our, our big story is infertility, right? Like, hmm. we weren't, and I'm like, I've had these moments where, like, in my 20s, I was giving my, my so much time to the church and trying to grow it and grow, like, disciples and, and, and have small groups and evangelize and all this stuff, and, like, he wouldn't give me children, right? It's going to be so and easy like, to get bitter about that, too. Like, yeah. to like yeah. I've been working for you. Where's where's my, you know, there's yeah. parables that we get into about that. But I was being honest. I go to him yeah. and I go, I'm, I'm pissed at you. I'm, I'm, I'm angry with you because you won't do this thing. And then, obviously, it's it's like you go read the Psalms and you can see David dealing with, like, God, where are you and all this. Yeah. And, but if you stay in communication with him, he will 
speak to your heart. You may not like what he says, but he's going to speak to your heart. So when we think about the cross and like the things that are hard for me, it's, it's, it comes to forgiveness on <laughs> so many levels and asking him to forgive me. But I remember one of the one of the most important things for me when it comes to the cross and forgiveness is if I if I see him doing that for me and forgiving me for all that I know I've done, mm-hmm. and I'm going to withhold that forgiveness from somebody else, mm-hmm. nothing more than the cross can inspire me to forgive. Yeah. There's, there's no other brilliant moral teaching or example other than the cross demonstrating that I need to forgive. And for me, the biggest forgiveness in my life was my was. was one of my my father, one of my parents, who had basically abandoned my 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 family, wow. and I hated him for many many years, and it, it kind of controlled me, and hmm. it kept me from doing some things I probably should have done, and it it pushed me into doing some things that I should not do. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember being confronted with that teaching of the cross and that that angle of forgiveness that like if you don't forgive, I don't forgive you. God saying that to me. And I'm sitting here looking at a fire, you know, I'm watching this fire burn and I'm like, inside I feel like that fire. And I'm like, I don't want to forgive. And I'm burning with rage. And I'm like, but he said to, and I didn't feel like doing it, but I did it. I'm sure Jesus didn't feel like going to the cross. In fact, he asked for another way. But he goes, but I'm going to go into that fire and I'm going to let it be on me so that you can be forgiven. And so like that is coming to me in that moment. like, all right, I need to forgive. And I didn't feel like it. I did it. And then I felt freedom. Yeah. Then then I could start becoming the man that he intends me to be. But the more I hold on to unforgiveness, I become like something far worse than I would ever want to be or I could ever imagine. So that's good. To me, that's if I could take one thing away from the cross, it's like there's the demonstration of his forgiveness to us. That's awesome. Let's, let's be like him in that. Let's do it. All right. So I say that's where we'll end today. Be like him in that. Cheers. Um, if you guys have questions you want answered, write to us, comment below on YouTube or Facebook, and um, you want to say something else, but hold on. He wants to say more things, but um, what I also want to know, two things, if you're, uh, if you're at a place where you can comment, I know on the podcast you can't just like write stuff down, but uh, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, I want to hear what your best thoughts were from the sermon this last Sunday. If you didn't get a chance to watch it, northwestorlando.com or on YouTube, you can pull it up. You can find it really anywhere, Northwest Orlando Church. Um, Northwest Church Orlando? Northwest Orlando Church. It's one of those. You'll figure it out. But um, tell us your your biggest takeaway from that for you. How's the cross impacting you this week? We want to know. This is a really great week to look at it and like just really take it in for ourselves. Like Where have I not let it in all the way? Where have I not let Jesus really impact me all the way? And final thoughts. So, if, I, I talk too long. Now you don't know what you're going to say anymore, right? No, I know no. exactly what I'm going to say. <laughs> so, if you see me at church, be terrified. Sunday, be terrified. Don't no. approach me. Um, <laughs> uh, this Sunday specifically, I'm going to go around and say he is risen, right? And, and this is something that. What is that? Why? Why would that, you say that? That real Christians know about this, right? So I've got a funny story. So, Secret. Uh, years ago, there were uh, there was this this. Uh, older married couple uh, called the Bentons that came to our church. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing Mrs. Benton on Easter Sunday, and she goes, he's risen. And I'm like, yes, he is. <laughs> but but the response is, he's risen indeed, is what is like, it's a tradition, right? He's you can risen. join You can join Dave's club if you respond, and he is risen indeed. But so If I, you see me at church on Sunday, I'll give you a high five. He's going to make you pass a test. <laughs> because... 
you have to feel my pain. So she's, she didn't let it go. So she goes, no, he's risen. And I'm like, I know. Awesome? I'm like, it is awesome that he rose from the dead. She goes, no, he's risen. And I'm like, yes, we agree. You can tell. And she goes, no, he's you're supposed to say he's risen indeed. And that's proof that I didn't grow up in the church. Cause yeah, I well, you know. can tell we go to a really traditional church. Is uh, the, All of the... All the rhetoric and the dogma of the, yeah, it's good. It's really good, but it's it's funny to me. High fives over here. Pass the test over there. You pick. <laughs> we'll see you guys Sunday. See you next week. Bye. See ya.